Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 14, Idolatry of Sex. I know, this is an intense title to say, <laughs> but today we're going to explore how we as the church have idolized sex and marriage in mm. the church. And Matt, this is usually a talk that you give, right? Yes, it is. So I'm going to do my best to allow you guys to also talk during the podcast because I, I have the propensity to just go down that rabbit trail mm. for like 45 minutes on my own. So, All right. But before we go to the heart of the matter, we're going to answer the question of the week from last week, which was, what was your worst date? Mm. I know. Matt, I think ours is the simultaneous worst date. Uh, would you agree? Oh, yeah. <laughs> this was back when we were dating, probably about five months in. And uh, what happened? Um, well, let's just say our birthdays are real close together. Three days apart Three in days January. Apart. Yep. And so um, Lori had done this big, big to do for my birthday. But for me, birthdays were the best part of the birthday for me growing up was just being able to pick where we go to dinner. And so I was like, Lori's birthday comes around. I'm taking her wherever she wants to go. Here's that wasn't what she was hoping to hear. <laughs> no, here's the context. Here I was working all day long. And I, in my moments where I wasn't working, I would daydream about all the wonderful things Matt was planning. <laughs> now, I think you were playing or watching video, <laughs> playing video games or watching sports all day while I was working. And I get off work and you're like, so where do you want to go to dinner? And I was like, excuse me? Is there a sentence behind that sentence with all surprises? <laughs> no, there was no surprises. It was only Mongolian, Mongolian barbecue. barbecue. <laughs> we well, come on. <laughs> Beatties. Beatties, yeah. yeah. Beatties Mongolian. Is that like still open? I don't, I don't know, know if they exist. I think it is. just closed, I think, really? like in the last year sometime. Oh, no. Yeah. Poor Mongolian. Tragic. We haven't Sorry. been there in 10 years. I wonder why. <laughs> wonder why. <laughs> so. Here's Matt trying to make up for his um, lack of planning. And I'm like, I'm one of 12 children. This is my one day where I feel special. <laughs> That's not true. I felt special a lot. I'm just saying I'm uh, whatever. Anyway, yeah. so here I am at Mongolian. Matt gets pressured into doing like the singing because he's like, it's her birthday. And little did I realize that Matt was also wounded uh, right there in singing in public. And so he like tries to make up for it and sings from the bottom of his heart. And instead of me being like, oh, Matt, that was so kind. I love you. You're great. I was like, it's kind of stupid. <laughs> like, I was so self-centered. I was so self-centered. Uh, so sorry, hon. Decade later. Um, then you try yeah. to make up for it again a few yeah, weeks later. So, I mean, a couple weeks later is Valentine's Day. Yeah. And so I'm like, you know what? I am going to plan it. And so I start doing research and I'm hearing about this wonderful kind of dark romantic comedy mm. movie that came out. Right. Like Moulin Rouge or something and like that. I'm like, you know what? We're, we're going to go to see that movie. And so we go to the theater and all of a sudden people's necks are getting sliced open because it's Sweeney Todd. Yeah. They're making human <laughs> the, hamburgers. Yeah. And so we were not <laughs> expecting that. I was no. like, this what this like, is the worst like we literally i think we did we walk out we of the movie might have i like did this slow neck crank and i'm like and i was like, like seriously this is the makeup <laughs> oh my oh. word this is how i feel wow <laughs> right so wow. it was like bad date on bad date but then really we've learned like our best dates are just very very chill so 
I need to get, I, I learned to lower my expectations and that's where I wanted them anyway. Is, is that the right phrasing? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, think week, the, I think it's learned to have proper expectations. Sure. <laughs> Next week is going to be marriage counseling. We need Carolyn hmm. back. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Where's she at? How about you, oh, Steve? Oh man. Okay. Well, I'm, mine isn't with my wife. Yes, that's fine. Um, but when I was when I first moved to town here, I yeah. was just graduated from high school. I was like still 17 years old. Yeah, I knew nobody in this town. My family went on vacation. And I had to work, so I stayed in town. I was like so bored and so lonely. Oh. I go to a movie by myself, yeah, and I just start hitting on these girls. <laughs> and one of them is like really like she's just eating it up, you know, like she's laughing at everything I say. Aww. I ask for her phone number. I've never done this. This is the only time in my life I've actually yeah. like picked somebody up, you know, like put totally... the moves on. Right. Anyway. I got her phone number. I called her. We talked a lot. We hit it off. I found her house on the map of, you know, town. I didn't know my way around. So I find her house. I go, we go out a couple of times and she was like kind of aggressive. Like, yeah, she was kind of making moves on me. Uh And at first I was like, this is cool. But then it was just a little bit like sort of stalkery. It felt like at the time. And I ended up at the end of the summer, I go to college. I didn't tell her where I was going to college. Wow. Hard break. Out of town. Good escape. Right. I'm just thinking clean break. Well, she calls my house, gets a hold of my mom, finds out where I am, finds me out there, like is calling and sending letters. It was (gasps) rough. And I, I just finally, after a long time of just sort of ignoring it, it did go away. And then you <clears throat> married her. No, not quite. Uh, this is, I don't know, probably probably 20 years later or yeah. so. I'm leading this men's group at my yeah. church. Yeah. And a newcomer comes, a guy's re- new Christian. He comes and I, you know, get to know him. And then the next week he comes back again. And I'm like, yeah. hey, so-and-so, glad you're back. And he's like, so you dated my wife. Oh, no. <laughs> That's the first thing he says to me. Oh, no. And then I'm like, who's your wife? And yeah. he tells me the maiden name. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, I had completely <laughs> suppressed that entire summer in my memory. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. But anyway, we're all friends now. So. That's amazing. So it's she never great. ended up giving you, like, an old shoebox full of letters <laughs> no. that she meant to send to you <laughs> with Bathed tear in tears. stains. Yeah. And all of the return to senders. Yeah, right, right. No, no, no. Oh, man. So that's fun. <laughs> yeah. We're going to go even take it, take it even goofier. Which, side note, we're starting recording this, like, three hours later than normal. It's yes. 9 p.m. I used to go to bed now. so. And also, it, my voice doesn't sound like this at 9 p.m. every night. I just have had a bit of a cold. Oh. So, but I feel fine. I just sound a little rough. Yeah. It's well, okay. so this goofball island may be extra goofball-y with our colds. Are you on NyQuil? <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. It doesn't hit the sauce till 930. <laughs> right. So we better go a little faster, guys. Speed it up. All right. Well, this is an intense week for us. We have our, our conference on Saturday. And I just, let's go somewhere super happy, which for me is Christmas. So let's take the train to Goofball Island. All aboard! This is the Polar Express. All right. So we're going to ask some Christmas questions. And I'm going to thank my friend, Emily Groover, who got me thinking about Christmas on the Instagram when I asked for Goofball Island questions. So thanks, Emily. Um, Okay. Here's a controversial question because we don't talk about controversial things on here. No. How do you feel about Hallmark movies? I feel like I might get in trouble, but... 
I'm not a fan. Oh, you're not gonna get in trouble in this oh, crowd. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. No, I. Um, they just are super sentimental. Not <laughs> real great quality. You know, I feel like they only get made because people go. It's an instant audience. Christmas. Everybody will watch anything. Mm-hmm. And people love them some Christmas movies so hard. Yes. So Matt and I have family. You can't figure out what family. My family's huge and mm. your family's big too. And my family loves Christmas movies. Mm. Yeah. So they love themselves some Hallmark movies. And Matt and I get in lots of trouble because the whole time we sit there and make fun of them. <laughs> <laughs> we just elbow each other and everyone's like, quiet. They're wiping away tears yeah. and we're like, what? But is she going to choose the high paying corporate job or love? <laughs> <laughs> Or is she going to have both? Oh, ooh, and twist an ending. outfit and do it in heels. Yeah. How will he get the shoes for his mother? Yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry. That's oh, that's it. Oh, that Christmas that's shoes. All. Let's talk about that Maybe. next time. Uh, okay. Yeah, if you want to cry. <laughs> How to survive Christmas shoes? We're going to we're going to read that blog There post. is there is no possible way. Anyway. No, you have to cry. Anyway, mm-hmm. all right, next question is what's your favorite scene from Elf? I would say the montages. I the, the, at the beginning there is like a sequence of scenes that are real rapid fire of how he is like he doesn't belong there at the yeah. North Pole. Poor, what's his name? Buddy, Buddy the, the elf. elf. Poor Buddy. What, what's oh, your favorite yeah. color? On the like toilet and stuff. <laughs> yeah, his dad. He's too big for him. everything. <laughs> yeah. then, Dunking the basketball. Like. Right. He can't make the toys right. Yeah. You know, the Jack in the Box like freaks him out. <laughs> yeah. And then also when he first arrives in New York City. Ooh, piece of candy. Yes. Like everything. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't fit in there either. He tries oh. to hug the raccoon in Central Park. So uh, is he the ultimate misfit toy? You know, the island mm. of misfit toys. Maybe that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And we all feel like a misfit. Oh, now we're getting to the heart of the matter. Sad <laughs> part. Just kidding. I really like the narwhal that goes... Bye, Bye buddy. Oh, that's Hope the you best. find your dad. That's, the best. <laughs> that's my favorite. <laughs> How about you, Matt? Um, I well, I think the montages are the greatest. Um, there's so many good, like quotable pieces yes. of that. I know. Like when he's when he's taking like, thank you. Thank you. He's taking like 800 tracks, like flyers yeah. from the same person. Yeah. He keeps going back. And, like, no, and eventually what? he's like, no, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's just, so rid- it's so ridiculous. Yes. All right. Last yes. Christmas question is, all right. Of the other two people in this room, what role would they play in a Christmas movie? Steve, I think that you could nail Buddy. All I just, right. I feel like you could, especially you take a little dose of NyQuil. <laughs> yes. You could nail that yes. role. Ooh, syrup, my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> syrup. <laughs> exactly. It looks like a Christmas tree. Yeah, exactly. See? There it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, Matt, my favorite Christmas movie is Miracle on 34th Street, and I think that you could handle... Um, Santa Claus? <laughs> yes the little girl <laughs> no oh. listen uh dylan mcdermott the like the, the main guy he's just a good honest guy who loves the girl even when she's a little crazy i have no idea where i'm getting this context <laughs> but yeah that must be, be a different miracle on 34 is it's, there a new one like the 1994 version oh i'm like uh, yeah the that would be you he would have been like 70 years before being born in the movie right <laughs> anyway <laughs> okay well I, I i'm glad that i'm at least a likable character yes so. you yes. are um laurie you i'm sorry to say this would be the lead heroine in a hallmark movie <laughs> 
because I can have my career and my boy and my family and do it in heels. I wouldn't wear heels, though. No, you'd wear combat boots. <laughs> yeah, I would. I totally would be. That's so mean and true. It, you were the lead in, like, all the plays you were in. Yeah. You were going to be the lead, like, it hero is. in person. Mm-hmm. Um, the Brooke character yes. for all you down Gilead Lane right, fans. Yeah. Deep, deep cut. Mm, from Mary with Love right there. <laughs> yeah, from Done. Mary with Love. <gasps> Super deep cut. Wow, yeah. Steve. Okay. All right, um, Matt. Steve, I think you would actually be a really good narrator. Oh, like boring. the the. No, <laughs> he said boring. He's got a, he's got boring. a very, he's got gravitas. He's like Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman, come on, oh, he's not boring. Sure. Come on, I'm not trying to make fun of both of you, just you, hun. Again, Hall, this little is, harm, Hallmark movie. Again, this is the Hole in My Heart podcast <clears throat> after dark. It's oh, real yes, goofy. I think so, a little bit. All right, Steve. Okay, uh, I mean this with love. Oh boy, for okay. both of you. Matt, I just, I think Linus in the Peanuts Christmas. Okay. You just have that quiet wisdom. He does. You're just steady and people are like, what is it about? And you step out there and say, this is what it's about. Okay. You you said Linus and I immediately thought of Pigpen. Oh, no. (laughs) The dirty, dirty, dusty one that's got a cloud of like (laughs) refuse hanging over. Anyway, yeah. Awesome. Okay. Linus. Linus. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Perfect. And Lori. Okay. I, I wish that, that they, of all of the sequels they made and remakes of the Home Alone movies, that there had been a girl, Kevin. Oh, yeah. Because I feel like Kevin McAllister in Home Alone, yeah. he is, you know, like the center of the universe. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but then also he's, can I say it, badass? Like he totally yes, takes can. out those bad guys. He does. And he like comes into his own. He's just like, this is, you know, my house. Yeah, that's and true. And you know, so anyway. I take that. Okay. I'll, I'll try yeah. not to be offended at the center of the universe thing, but I'll take it also. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I got it. I'll, I'll, again, where's Carolyn? No, I, I, we need her back. I love it. Okay, we will get to the heart of the matter now. We're going to talk about the idolatry of sex. So, Matt, um, I love when you talk about this. You always, you, you begin with, okay, how does the world talk about sex and how does the church talk about sex and how are they different and how are they pretty much exactly the same? Yeah. Well, and if I can give a little bit of background, I mean, this is something that really started hitting my mind earlier, like very beginning of this year, um, because, you know, I had gotten rid of all of this stuff that I had been delving into previously. Like, you know, I'd overcome this pornography addiction, still struggled, but, you know, not giving into it. Mm -hmm. And it was like, God was convicting me, not only of like, hey, it's like, you're not there you're not done working just because you're not looking at porn. There is still something greater that I want for you. Huh. And, and so in looking at our marriage and, and like doing this like introspective work on my own views of sex and really starting to um, analyze my, my true beliefs, like the beliefs that were active in my life about sex, um, that's, that's really where this started. And, and in that process, really finding out that my view of sex personally was basically a mirror image of of what the world says. Um, and so, I mean, what the world says about sex is, I mean, it's all around us. You can't, you can't walk down the street. You can't 
pull your phone out of your pocket. You can't do anything without sex being somehow involved. Right. Um, and so, you know, the, the world would say, and it's easy to kind of point at the world as this raw or shake your fist at it type of thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, sex is this personal kind of pleasure. You don't have to worry about who you're doing it with, how you're doing it, as long as like the only rule about sex is that it's consensual. Right. And so at this point when I'm looking at like, okay, my view looks a lot like that. It's been very selfish, Hmm. you know, in my own view of sex, even within this quote unquote God honoring marriage. Um, And so really started getting convicted about, okay, what, what is it about sex? What does God really want sex to be about within a marriage? And why did he give it to us if it was just going to be this thing that we fight about. Wait, can I go back to where you did quote unquote God honoring marriage? Did you mean like, um, well, what did you mean by that? Well, I, what I mean is, you know, here I was thinking, well, sex within marriage is all, is all God honoring when in fact I, I don't believe it is because I think I could be very selfish and how I even enact my sexuality within my marriage. Hmm. Um, and if it becomes something that literally is only about me, hmm. which the things that you do that are solely for you are recreational. Hmm. I mean, most work has a purpose behind it. Most, you know, most of the things you do with other people even have purpose behind it. But recreation, especially when it's, you know, sex, recreational sex is like this uninhibited, no strings attached, no ties to anyone else. It's just purely for your own pleasure. Hmm. And seeing that that mindset had really kind of permeated my, my whole enacting of, of sexuality, even within the, the confines of what God says is supposed to be in a marriage. And so even though on the outside, everyone's gonna be like, oh yeah, if it's within marriage, good. There was this voice inside that was like, that's not exactly, you you can still idolize sex, even if you're only enacting it in marriage. Hmm. Can you counteract that? So you just said like what the world says. And then can you, can you do that like list that you do? That's like, here's what the world says about sex and here's what the church says. It's so interesting to see, oh my word, these are like the same. Yeah. So, and this is something I do with a lot of my clients. um, And we just sit there and we will talk for almost a full session on, okay, what, what does the world say about sex? And so, you know, it's for personal pleasure. Um, Marriage isn't necessary. It's whenever you want, it's fine and natural to engage with whoever you want. It's not significant how you do it. Um, but it is the single most important thing you can do. If you're not doing it, you're weird. Um, and that, so, I mean, there's this weird dichotomy. It's insignificant, but highly important. Mm -hmm. Um, but then it must be consensual. So that's like the only role that I was saying before. Um, and then when I was looking at church and, and in talking with clients too, I'm like, okay, well, what, what does the church say about sex? You know, and it's always, well, should be within a marriage. It is very significant. It should be pleasurable to both partners. You know, it's this form of worship. Um, God created it and it's for procreation and it's the barometer of a marriage and it's this ultimate form of intimacy. And in some ways, I think it's become kind of the goal of a mm. marriage for, for, for at least many guys. Mm. And I can't tell you how many times I've had uh, a, a couple come in and when we start talking about sex, I'll go to, you know, 1 Corinthians 7, that 
whole Paul, do not withhold Mm -hmm. yourselves from one another passage. And it's like the woman like throws her head back and is just like, oh, seriously, that's the only verse my husband ever quotes to me. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, because it's like become this battering ram that the husband gets to use to just demand sex from his wife, even if, you know, if, if he's emotionally distant, spiritually not leading or even participating or sharing. And so it's, it's kind of this double standard that, that it's like, well, the wife's body doesn't belong to her alone. So I want my sex, but the husband can conveniently neglect using his mind and emotion and words Mm -hmm. for the encouragement of his wife. When isn't that also withholding our body, which is supposed to belong to our spouse. Um, And so in this process, and there's a few of those that I've, you know, specifically that do not withhold passage, but then also the, the barometer of a marriage Mm -hmm. or the, the ultimate form of intimacy. And as I started looking that, especially you know, in the context of the LGBT conversation. Yeah, that's where I wanted you to go. If we say that sex is the ultimate form of intimacy that we can attain in this world, we need to be very careful about saying that because we are automatically saying, but you people over here, we demand that you never partake in it. Therefore, you are somehow this like it it puts this like second class status on people and i think that's how we've treated single people in the church quite a bit because sex is ultimate in marriage and marriage is the ultimate relationship that's like the ult it's we instead of the church and christ being the the ultimate it's marriage it's been flipped yeah yeah marriage is supposed to be this representation this this foreshadowing of the marriage the singular marriage that we're all going to experience in eternity we've flipped as, it and yeah we've said instead we say ultimate. like yeah marriage is this picture and mm-hmm. this thing is almost the secondary thing and so you know i in doing this and then i also ask my my clients well what does the bible actually teach about sex and yes there is you know the idea within marriage it is significant don't idolize it it is consensual it's for enjoyment it's a form of worship god did create it for procreation but then it's also especially in like ephesians 5 and which reflects Genesis language, you know, it's that leaving and cleaving. It's a part of this bonding process Mm -hmm. that we're supposed to have with our spouse. It is a form of intimacy and it is a barometer of marriage, but not the only one. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately when the Bible paints this picture, sex within a marriage is supposed to be like this outpouring, this fruit of the covenant love that you experience with your spouse, this oneness that you have cultivated what other barometers are there in marriage? Well, I mean, I think conversation is is one. I mean, if you're, you know, you look at, okay, so if sex is the barometer of a marriage, when you look at someone who's 80 years old and they've been with their spouse for 60 years, but you know what? They're 80 and stuff isn't really working anymore. <laughs> you know, you would look at that. And if they're, if you say, well, how often do you have sex? And they're like, we haven't had sex for years. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm sure there are 80 year olds that, that still do, but it's like that drive diminishes Mm -hmm. over time. And so are you going to look at that person who has been an example of covenant in their marriage and having made it 60 years with one, one spouse and say, wow, something must be off with you. Mm -hmm. No, you're going to celebrate it. Right. You know, but if sex is this barometer, 
if it's the only barometer that matters, then we would be like, oh, those poor 80-year-olds. Right. And in that context, it's kind of silly to even think about like, yeah, no, 80, celebrate it. You, yeah. you, guys, you guys are the like standard that we're trying to achieve. You've, you've done well. But so often, especially when you're younger, when you go through these hard times, it's so easy to look at, well, you know, and you have the whole Mr. and Mrs. Smith, the movie from about 10 years ago, where it's like they go to this counselor because their marriage is having problems. And the first question the counselor asks is, well, how many times have you had sex this week? And they're like nine. And then, oh, that must be the problem. Hmm. And at the end of the movie, after they almost kill each other, you know, 40 times a piece, you know, <laughs> they find out, oh, they love one another. And then they go back and see the same counselor and he's like, ask the question again. And Brad Pitt's character. And then the guy's like, oh, well, how many times have you had sex? And he holds up like both hands, like full finger, like 10. And like, that was, that was the goal. That was it. And that's not it. Like sex is one way that we can cultivate this bond. But I mean, that bond is created so many other ways. And I mean, they've even shown like hormonally what is going on that's creating that bond and it's the hormone oxytocin that gets released in your brain yes during sex but also the first time it happens in your life is when you are birthed and you've got this skin-to-skin -skin contact while you're nursing as a baby and that is forming the bond between mother and child that protective instinct and so you i mean you have that bond when you when you talk when you hold hands when you when you share experience together, when you see this bright, shiny screen on your phone, you get that, you know, because we are made with relationship in mind. And yes, there is a big flood of oxytocin in your brain when you have sex, but that is not the only way that we create this bond. But ultimately, I think that is the primary purpose of sex is this naked and unashamed. I know you, you know me, and we are in the process of like becoming this two as one flesh union. I would add to which all that is amazing, Matt, and is the spiritual connection is really important too. Cause mm -hmm. I know people who have sex all the time, but they never pray together. They're like, yeah. that's way too awkward. I can't pray. And I was like, well, mm -hmm. wait, what? And so that's a barometer too, is like, how, how are your spirits connecting? Which, um, so when you're talking about LGBT people and mm -hmm. when we interact with them, there's kind of like been this like, well, you can't get married. And so your life just has to be essentially, it feels like the only other option is miserable. Mm -hmm. Uh, it has to be sad and it ha you have to be single and celibate and get and over lonely. it. Yeah. And lonely, but you and I, we've been rocked by like just reading through John 17, because there is where Jesus is like, my prayer is not only for disciples now, but for those in the future is that they would be one and yeah. like, he wasn't talking about an orgy. He wasn't <laughs> saying oneness with like everyone. And like mm -hmm. Jesus was single and he's like, I want you to be one. And it says, I think in yeah. Colossians or Galatians that it's love that binds us all together. And yeah. so that love is not sexual love. That's, that's oneness in the church. And so when I talk with LGBT, I had a conversation with people today who our theology is a different sides of the table. And they were, they were saying to me, they're like, well, you just, you guys just say that my, I have to just be sad and lonely. And I'm like, no, we want, I want to invite you into the church, mm -hmm. into this oneness that's invitational. And I was like, I honestly don't even know how that looks, but I know we're not doing it right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There are glimmers of it where we're doing it right. But I, on the whole, I'm not doing it right. Am I inviting people into our family? Like I should No. I, I'm not nailing it. Yeah. But I think 
I wanted to just kind of land here for just a little bit. Like what, how can we be better promoters, not of sex, (laughs) the sexual relationship, but promoters of oneness in the church? Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll start off. And then if you guys have other thoughts, but today I was talking with another friend um, and I was just, you know, getting coffee. I was working and I was just talking about, you know, this conference and how there's some intensity to it. And, um, It was just so nice because he's on our team. He's on our team. He's like going to help with volunteering. And he was just speaking life into me. Mm -hmm. And when you are in battle, I was listening to a TED talk this week about needs, actually. Is it what's Maslow's or whatever? Oh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Hierarchy of needs. Yeah. And they were talking about how in combat, this need to belong. And when you're in combat, like it's like you get this brotherhood. There's no Mm -hmm. phones. There's no nothing with these guys. They were talking about them in Afghanistan and how they end up missing combat because there's nothing like that oneness. That's the word I would use. They call it belonging and brotherhood that you experience in combat. Mm -hmm. And so here I am in this intense situation, walking into this conference and here is a brother with me, this family. And he's like, I'm with you. And he's exhorting me and I'm like drinking it in. And so that to me, I was like, I said that to him. I was Mm -hmm. like, this feels like oneness in the church. This feels like God is like doing this movement in the church right now where he's God's like, from what I see, are you in or you out? Mm -hmm. And when I'm like looking around, I'm like, who's in? I need you right now. I need your gifts. I need you to stop squirreling around and I need to stop squirreling around. I need my gifts. I need you to be courageous and link arms with me. So for me, I would say oneness is like leaning into the real battle, not Mm -hmm. flesh and blood battle, but the spiritual battle that's going on right now. Well, and and I can, I can just say that, I mean, there was, and you've heard this story before, Lori, that. Um, you know, there's this one instance where I was working with a, a woman through some of the hurts that, that she had in her past. And um, I mean, this was kind of like a, a via internet kind of counseling work. And I, so, I mean, I had never been in the same room with this woman. I had never, I mean, I, I saw her on the screen as we're doing the the video chat, but like never been standing in the same place as her. And so, but in this time when we're working and it's like, I am seeing myself as a witness to what God is really doing in her life. And there was a couple instances where it was like God moved in a crazy powerful way to overcome some crazy hurts that she had had. And in seeing that growth, it was like, I, okay, we're done. And it's been, you know, the 50 minutes of talking and I shut my laptop and Lori, you had gone, you know, taking the girls on a walk or something at this point. And so I go upstairs, you know, cause early in the morning, I'm like, I'm hungry. And I like pour a bowl of cereal And I start weeping, like just like broken over the fact that I am a part of God's plan for this, for this individual woman Mm. and seeing this growth happen and her start to really realize who God is and how much he cares about her. Mm. And I've never met her. And I've also, I just have to say, I've never wept that hard after sex. Huh. You know, it, it's yep. never yep. broken me with right. the love of God. Hmm. And so there is something greater than just the sexual component. Yep. And, you know, C.S. Lewis talked about it in his, um, in his book, Miracles. He's talking about trying to explain sex to a, a, you know, a younger kid and, and how, if you try to, and the kid's like, well, I know chocolate, chocolate tastes good. So does sex involve chocolate? And you're like, well, no, not really. And then he's like, well, then how can it be good? How can yeah. it be good if there's yeah. no chocolate? And he says that we are in this position in this life as that young kid not understanding 
that there's something bigger than chocolate. Mm. And for us, chocolate is sex. We know the sexual life. We do not know, except in these glimpses, the other thing, which in heaven will leave no room for it. Mm. You know, there is something greater coming and we can hardly fathom that. Yeah. Do you have anything you want to add to that, Steve? I mean, there's so much that this stirs up for me and I, I know we are running long here and we've gotten past the loopy zone. I've, I've got to take my NyQuil pretty soon. Um, <laughs> but like, I feel like it's such a picture. I mean, sex really is, you know, pursuit and then there's, you know, consummation, but then, you know, that leads to the ecstasy and then that leads to conception and that leads to pregnancy, this expectation mm. and then labor mm. and then a lifetime of raising somebody, you know, I feel like <laughs> sex, you know, but we just reduce it to this tiny yeah. little thing. And yeah. on a spiritual level, I feel like there's parallels for all of that. All of mm-hmm. And Jesus said, you know, make disciples. He said, multiply yeah. reflecting what, the father said to Adam and Eve, yeah. be fruitful and multiply. So I feel like you guys are really onto something here mm. that um, there is a place for every single one of us in the church yes. to find this oneness yes. and this, you know, this mission of multiplication and That's growth. It. That's so, it. And yeah. family and belonging, yes, which is yes. what we all need. It's we, we've only seen it in in family life, like the the one unit family. But I think that we need to look at how can we be more inclusive? Yes, yeah. I still believe in a historical Christian view. I'm just saying include people in your historical Christian view. I want it. I want it. I don't even how know. Do we, how do we invite people? who are single into our family Yes, Mm -hmm. as, as people with families or as a single person, how do you cultivate this type of covenantal relationship with other people that you start to actually have oneness as opposed to having to go through this life as a little Island? Cause it's lonely to do that. Mm -hmm. And that is going to take brokenness. That is going to take sacrifice, which we don't like that. We've talked about that on here. We are avoidant of pain Mm -hmm. in this 2017, almost 2018. So I'm really excited. Um, Thank you guys. Thank you, Matt, for sharing that. Mm -hmm. I just, I love it. Every time I hear your talk next time, we're actually going to talk with Greg Coles, who is a single gay Christian. And I want to talk to him a little bit more about this, about being single and in his experiences of feeling included or not. um, And if it's been good or not. So that will be next time. But our question of the week this week, I want to keep talking a little bit of Christmas. Uh, what's your favorite Christmas tradition you had as a kid? And do you carry that on even now? Mm. All right. So thank you so much for listening to the Hole in My Heart podcast. You can check us out online. I hope you heard something today about how the gospel is good news for everyone every day and for us specifically in oneness in the church. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Hole in My Heart podcast. The gospel is good news for everybody, every day. Check us out at himhministries.com where you can see all Matt and Lori have to offer and where you can listen to previous episodes. Don't forget to subscribe in iTunes and leave us a review. And if you'd like to answer our question of the week or if you have any questions or suggestions, email us at podcast at himhministries.com.